Hello, this is Judy, and I'm here today with my niece. Hi, everyone. My name's Chloe. I am the youngest of the third generation, and I am finishing up college this next year and will be continuing on to medical school in 2021. So that's a little bit about me. Great. Good. And um, being the last, the youngest, not the last, the youngest of the third generation, that has put you in an interesting position because you then are also very close in age to the fourth generation, which are the your cousins, your, your direct cousins, right, who have had children. So you're kind of a bridge between those two generations because of your position. Yep. Yep. My, uh, my dear cousins like to call me a hybrid. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit Gen 3 and a little bit Gen 4 just due to, to closeness of age. And when I was younger, I think I probably spent way more time with, with Gen 4, the, the younger cousins. And then as I've gotten older, I think I've definitely gotten along, kind of are more on the same page as my older cousins. So yeah, yeah. It's oh, that's an interesting position yeah. for me. Yeah. Do you remember, Chloe, your first, your first memories or what are your first memories of coming to the orchard? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day and... Um, I don't have any like set memories. I couldn't tell you where, when or where they're from, but I remember playing for hours either by myself or with my younger cousins, either in the sandbox, which mm. is now, I don't think anyone's used it for eight years. And then also in the water, I used to be a little fish. The cold uh-huh. really didn't bother me. So I used to spend a lot of time playing <laughs> games either by myself or if my, my younger my younger cousins wanted to play with me, then they were always welcome into my world. Those are some of my first memories of, uh-huh. of the lake. Uh-huh. Now, I, um, I know from dad's and my mother's records that you came your first time in um, 2000. I'm sure you may not, well, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure you might not remember that far back. <laughs> But the time I remember the most is, or one of the times, is when we celebrated your birthday. You must have been five, four or five, and we, I think you had just returned back to the United States from us living in Australia. And maybe your parents weren't quite settled yet, or, but I remember that even uh, your birthday's in, in the middle summer, I guess the middle summer. Mm -hmm. And I remember having this birthday party where your mom and I think maybe Aunt Jamie set up some, like we had donuts hanging from a string and just some crazy, I don't know if we bobbed for apples too, some (laughs) sort of unusual birthday games. And I think it's because you didn't have you know a community yet your parents had just does that sound about right do you remember how old were you when you moved back from Australia I think we moved back when I was either turning four or five okay so kind of that right timeline 
And that does, I remember having a, I don't know if, if you would know, it was a very, um, not a very well-known Disney movie called Spirit. Ah. Um, and it was about horses. And I know that I had a cake at the lake that was spirit themed. So that might be the birthday that you're talking about. Because uh-huh. usually, <laughs> usually on my birthday isn't, you know, not when we're at the lake. Yeah. So I'm not sure how many times that that would have happened. But I do yeah. remember that. And I think for for me, you know, we've lived a couple of different places and the lake has always been the the constant thing in my life, I would say. Ah, So ah. I think, you know, not everyone's lucky enough to have their family also feel like like friends. And I think we've been lucky to have that. And why do you say that? I know my mom kind of touched on that in her opinion, us being able to come to the the lake every summer was like going to summer camp, but instead of with friends, it was with family. Yeah. And I, I think I agree with that, but for me, it was even more, it was like a, a community of, of people that, you know, I was comfortable with growing up and that I, you know, wanted to catch up with all their adventures. You know, everyone in our family, I feel like does such fun things um so it was it was really it was always really nice to kind of see other parts of the world while being in in my favorite place in the world at the lake Hmm. and you call it your favorite place what about it what about it makes you know I think it it's hard to put in words how the feeling that I get but I always think my it just the air smells different it tastes different so when we touch down in Montana, it's just, it feels like coming home. And then at the lake, it's where else do you get to be surrounded by 40, 30, 40 people that care about you and your life and that you share bonds of family, but, you know, everyone chooses to be there. And I think that's really special. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to the lake by yourself? I did. I have some pretty fun kind of lake experiences when my grandfather has gone to all nine of his children of his grandkids high school graduations Uh so when he went to my brother's high school graduation he was uh driven there by my uncle Uh Woody Uh um you know right when they were about to leave granddad looked at me I think he was joking but you know, he said it pretty seriously. And he said, well, are you sure you don't want to come with us? <laughs> and I paused for a minute and I thought, well, you know, I, I play soccer, but I had just gotten surgery on my foot. So I wasn't able to play much that summer. Uh-huh. And I thought, what could be better than spending the summer at my favorite place in the world with my grandfather, who I feel like I knew but didn't know as well as I wanted to. Uh-huh. And so I, you know, looked at my mom and asked, is that okay? Can I go? And she, you know, said, well, I I guess. (laughs) And we road tripped from Texas to California, up through Oregon, and then ended up in Montana. Uh And I spent that summer just hanging out, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I really did much. And then... I spent a couple summers actually now last summer with COVID I was able to spend significant amount of time at the lake and then 
the summer after my freshman or the summer after my senior year of high school, I worked in quotes for granddad uh-huh. and painted the house and cooked and cleaned yeah. and uh, mowed and did different chores. So, <laughs> so you have, yeah, I've spent, yeah, significant, yeah, significant amounts of time there. Significant amount of time. Yeah. 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 And it's, I think that's pretty valuable time that I get to spend with my granddad. Yes. And um, I remember on our road trip, we drove through Las Vegas and granddad kind of looked back at me in the car and grinned at me and said, are you sure you don't want to get a tattoo? You'd have to tell your mom, but like we can get one. And it was just, it was probably one of the first times I had seen him making jokes like that, uh-huh. that I could remember. And I just remember thinking, oh man, how lucky am I? <laughs> How old would you have been for that first road trip? I think I was 14. Okay, okay. I was either 14 or I was about to turn 14 at the end of that summer. I think I remember you supervising Woody and I as we painted the living room. Yes, yes, yep. I think you probably did do a lot of work that summer. Maybe work is in quotes, but... Even when you were 14, I'm sure that granddad had a list of things <laughs> <laughs> that he had, <laughs> he had determined would be good to, to get done. <laughs> Do you ever remember bringing a friend? I have. I brought, after I graduated high school, I brought two of my friends oh, there oh. for a week, kind of after everyone left. Oh. Um, we use the house as a base we explored glacier the bison range we swam and we boated and we tubed uh, which was really fun do you do you have particular things that you do now or that you've done since you're you've become older uh that you look forward to every year particular things that you wouldn't your summer wouldn't be complete if you didn't do them I think probably one of my, my favorite things is the minute we get to the, the orchard, you know, maybe before I even say hello to everyone, I, you know, run down to the lake and I might not jump in, but it's just that breath of, of being there, of finally being there. Yeah. Uh, I feel like my, my years are kind of structured around when, when am I going to get to the lake this year? Uh-huh. It's always nice to have that first fresh breath of of the lake and the mountains and everything and then I guess I I don't have a lot of things that I would say I'm like have to do Mm -hmm. a couple I have to watch Aristocats (laughs) with my cousin Casey and Jasmine especially the two the three of us it's been one of our traditions (laughs) have to play a game of Catan oh. and I think those are and you know I have to I have to pick some cherries I think those are the things I always look forward to being able to do and and that it's it's not a trip to the lake without getting all those things okay. and as far as uh, picking cherries is that your uh, preferred work task during the the cherry season or do you have other things that you'd rather do you know, I really like sorting the cherries. Um, I am not an early riser. I wouldn't say I'm a late riser, but I'm definitely not an early riser. Uh-huh. So I tend to, by the time I wake up, there's already a, 
a box or two, a log or two of cherries that are there uh, ready to be sorted. And I kind of like it's where we sort cherries or you kind of get to see everything. You're right by the house, but you also can see down the orchard and see everyone in the trees. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like being at that central place of, of the action. Yeah, it's also, I think, a place where uh, communication happens. You know, when, right. when you're picking, you're kind of, you can be alone in a tree, you know, picking buckets. It can be a solitary experience, but not usually at the, what I call the processing table, right? right. So uh, there are people that are just waking up or uh, people who have decided what they're going to do that day. And that seems to be what some of the talk can be around the processing table. Also, everyone of all ages can work at the processing table, right? Right. <laughs> and I, I think that might have been what it was for me at the, you know, beginning. I think that was one of the tasks that I could uh, do when I was uh-huh. younger, start the cherries. And then as I got older, I think I just, that's the task that I most sought out to do. And then you know, we have a lot of pickers. Yeah. But not everyone likes sorting and I kind of like it. It's an easy motion. Try too hard. It's pretty monotonous, but it's nice to just be able to stand there and, and talk to everyone. I think that's that's where I get a lot of my catch up conversation. Would you describe what happens at the processing table? Because I don't think we we've explained that yet. Yeah, of course. After the cherries are picked off the tree, we, uh, when we sell them, we sort through them um, and wash them. So, you know, and this is kind of different people have different methods. So some people sort when they throw them into the bucket full of water. Some people throw every cherry into the bucket of water and then sort after, like as they're taking them out. So I'm definitely a sort before you put them in the water <laughs> person and then you know, if they are good looking cherries, but they don't have stems on them, then we might toss them in to get juiced so that they can be into wine or jam or jelly. Uh, if they're really gross or underripe, then we'll toss them into a trash bucket. And then if they're nice and juicy, they're a good color, they have a stem on them, then those get washed and measured and then they get put into a bag and and eventually they get sold on that mm-hmm. day. Yeah. And how about selling cherries? Have you ever been involved up at the stand? Yeah, I do. I, I do like selling at the cherry stand. One of my, I think, clearest memories of growing up at the cherry stand is, um, you know, running out to people when they pull up to the cherry stand and mm-hmm. asking them if they want a mm-hmm. taste test which is very effective when you're six years old and cute as a button and, and cute <laughs> as a button. Um, little less effective when you're, when you're 16 or 17 and, you know, haven't showered in a couple of days and uh, taste us. But I also think that's, that's a really good way in my opinion to have some quality conversations with people and to catch up with, family members that you might not have talked to. In, yeah. Up at the stand that so. you mean, uh-huh. S- selling, selling yep. from the stand. And do you, do you remember the driving the tractor and getting the cherries to the stand? Because you probably did that too. 
Yes, I do. And it, it's one of those jobs that when I was younger, I was waiting and waiting and waiting for my turn to finally be allowed to, to drive the tractor. And then once it happened, still to this day, anytime someone is like, oh, we need someone to take up some bags to the cherry stand, I'm immediately <laughs> hopping up and saying, I got it, I'll take them up, which is always nice again to, to check in on everyone, to see what's happening, to you know, ride the mower up the hill. Do you, yeah, do you remember or are there younger cousins in the fourth generation that would have needed a ride, that would have been your riders to go up the hill? Oh, yep, yep. I've, I've been a rider. I've given rides to the younger ones. I think now they're, a couple of them yeah. are old enough where they're driving. So they're, <laughs> they'll take a cherry load up and I'll say, all right, can I help in the back? Uh, yeah, just to that's do. such an interesting transition that's happened. That whole, you know, I'm sure that, boy, I'm guessing that my brother, your dad, and I drove the tractor up uh, those first early years when we had a stand. And then sort of that's changed over time with all the, the particularly boy cousins and second cousins or first cousins once removed, whatever. Uh, you know, there's a lot of young boys that couldn't wait to get on that tractor and be responsible for getting the cherries up there, mostly because they wanted to drive the tractor, right? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting fixture of the orchard. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things do you look forward to in the water, Chloe? You know, I, as I've gotten older, I like, I used to think it was silly kind of when all the older cousins would lay for hours on the the power dock or the trampoline mm -hmm. that we used to have in the water but now that I'm older it's kind of it's really nice to you know you jump in the water you swim out to the little floating raft we have and then maybe you have a soda or beer and you lay there and then that's where I think a lot of me and my cousins have our kind of catch-ups we talk about you know, jobs mm. and what's going on in our lives and things that we're reading and shows that we're watching and, you know, things like that. And I think it, it's a nice little, usually mm -hmm. parent free, mm -hmm. sometimes we have parents out there, but it's a, a nice kind of space for us to, yeah. to catch up and relax. And then I also, uh -huh. I really like tubing. I've gone less now that I've gone older, but I still, that's one of my favorite things to do with my little cousins will go out and, you know, spend hours tubing out there with a, an uncle or my dad to drive us. So that's always really fun. And then uh, when I was younger, I used to collect <laughs> rocks in the water, I know. And I think there, there are plenty of trips where I would bring, you know, a pound of rocks home. And my mom would say, you know, why do we need these at the house? And I say, uh -huh. well, they're pretty. They're yeah. so pretty. So and I think they're always prettier underwater, aren't they? <laughs> Once they dry out. They I are, mean, they there are. are lots of colors. Yeah. Lots of different when colors, but they... They seem to be so beautiful in that clear, clear water. Maybe it's the contrast of the different colors. Right. And I've, I don't do that anymore, but I remember t getting, you know, a handful and thinking how pretty they would look in a garden. And of course they look like rocks in a garden. They don't. <laughs> right. 
right they they get gray they lose their color they lose their sparkle a little bit and you're like all right well I just lugged these rocks across the country oh looks like I need to find a use for them how about your uh other activities that you've done your mom talked about going to big fork and glacier but also there's huckleberrying or fishing did you do any of those Mm -hmm. extra sort of activities yeah you know when I was when I was younger I did not want to leave the lake I thought something was going to (laughs) happen I was going to miss out on things and then the older I got the more I realized that there were other fun things that you could do in the area. So now if there's a trip to Glacier, I'll go to Glacier. Um, or if I'll go to Big Fork, get some <laughs> Huckleberry ice cream, shop for some clothes. Uh, of course, huckleberrying has probably become, in the recent years, become mm. probably one of my favorite activities to do at the lake. I think there's something just so um, relaxing about, you know, walking around in the in the forest and usually we go close to close to dusk so it's kind of a you only have a couple hours Mm -hmm. to get as many Mm -hmm. huckleberries as you can and those little (laughs) buggers are elusive so you have to look through bushes but it's so um rewarding I think when you combine all of them and think oh (laughs) <laughs> think of the pie we're gonna have tonight or think of the mm. the huckleberry mm-hmm. muffins you can make or you know yeah yeah that I is like that. adventure I think of you as a cook as somebody who likes to cook when you're at the lake is that true <laughs> or bake um I do baker, I would say I'm yeah. probably more of a baker mm-hmm. than I am um, cooking but definitely I have some pretty yeah famous cinnamon rolls that take a lot of time but I think they're pretty fun to make people really like them and their granddad really likes them so Uh I try to make those when I'm there and anytime my mom cooks I definitely make sure that I am helping and I might make the dessert for that night or help serve or you know anything that is needed. Feeding yeah, 40 people is. is a pretty big task. Do you have a so. favorite um, dessert that you remember making or one that you made with, with cherries or huckleberries? I have a mm-hmm. huckleberry muffin recipe that I really like. I don't know if I've ever made it for mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. like everyone while I was there, but mm-hmm. sometimes we bring home some huckleberries and I'll make it when we get back to the house or... Um, after kind of the big group has left, I might make it for, for granddad and yeah, and yeah. whoever else is there. But I'm definitely, definitely a dessert person. My cinnamon rolls, like I said, um, I don't know. I don't think I've really made cherry desserts cherry or cherry recipes. recipes. I have to, I have to tell you that cinnamon rolls are not um, a dessert for me. They're a main course. So <laughs> I love cinnamon rolls, and my mom <laughs> used to make cinnamon rolls. So. Your grandma Emerson was a quite the cinnamon roll chef, so those have been a great tradition. I think going maybe yours are made a little bit differently, but still the idea is there, right? Yeah, yeah I didn't, I her didn't father loved cinnamon rolls, so she was she was good at that. So, <laughs> um, uh, what about your your when you say Catan? 
where are you where are you playing this game this board game yeah usually um, we play it either in the garage or just outside on the on the mm-hmm. back deck really anywhere we can i think we'll my my generation will set up a yeah. game anywhere that we have space to which is one of my favorite things about about going to the lake not only playing old favorites like Catan and Five Crowns, but then, you know, everyone just, every year someone brings a new game that I've never seen before that's really fun to to play and to um, learn. And like I said, it's a great way to spend time with each other, but also, you know, catch mm-hmm. up. You can talk mm-hmm. as you're playing games. Yeah. Um, Do you have memories? Uh, I know recently you were at the lake in the winter. So other memories from your childhood or from the past when you would go to the lake off season? Um, You know, I think just recently we've started to either spend Christmas or, you know, try to get there Uh for more time than just the summer. It's traditionally been pretty hard for us with soccer schedules and school and just with how far we lived away from the lake recently we actually just spent Christmas there which has been really nice because for me growing up Christmas was just uh, our little family family of five event and it's really nice to start spending it with with granddad and with you know my sibling spouses it's kind of nice to have it be a bigger family yeah family family and last year you spent spent it also at um at the orchard and then your some of your cousins joined you for skiing and that sort of thing right up in up up at whitefish yep yeah it was awesome i'm i'm not much of a, Mm a a winter sports gal i I snowboard mm-hmm. when we go, but I'm not too great at it. But it is nice to be able to spend that extra time with each other. And I think you learn in this family how important family is as a whole. And not just your your siblings or your parents, but everyone in your family. So it's been really nice to be able to uh, spend yeah. more and more time. Yeah. With- Being a sports a sportswoman... Did you water ski? I have water skied. I learned when I was younger, I've had two knee injuries in the past four or five years, I guess now. So it makes things like water skiing or skiing Mm -hmm. a little bit scarier. Uh, But I got up this summer, I went skiing for the water Uh skiing for the first time in a pretty long time. Yeah. And I got up. So I was pretty proud of myself. Yeah. Wow. For going with I know it. that's a sport that your dad has always enjoyed, so I'm sure it uh, <laughs> brought him some joy to to have his kids all be water skiers, and and I, I'm guessing that he still water skis when he's there, even at his old age. In his old age, he does, and you know, it's it's <laughs> not enough for him just to get up and ski. He has to, you know, yeah. drop a ski or get up on one ski or do all of that so he's you know, he's getting a little bit up there in age but mm-hmm. he's still pretty, pretty agile I think so pretty mobile yeah. I know you have a couple stories that you've written and I wanted to give a, I wanted you to give a little background of those stories if you want to read them to us that would be great 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I can start with the probably my favorite thing I've ever written. Uh, I I spend a lot of time writing. Uh, I think less now that I've been so busy with with school and classes, but whenever, like I said, that summer that I drove with granddad from Mm -hmm. my house in Texas all the way up to the lake, spent a lot of time writing. And I ended up winning a scholastic gold medal for, for this next one. But I think it's kind of my, um, my ode to, to the cherry orchard that I feel (laughs) like has, has raised me a little bit. There's a cherry tree in an orchard next to a house on a lake tucked into northern Montana, smack dab in the center of North America, sitting somewhere between two oceans in the embrace of planet Earth. And under that tree, there's a little girl stuck between two generations, too old for one, too young for another. The little girl with forest eyes and hair darker than brown, but lighter than black, with a two cherry earring resting in each ear and a forever chill deep in her bones. A chill that comes from swimming day after day in a glacier lake, a lake that has frozen again and again, but still manages to melt away any pain in the little girl's heart. And as the little girl grows up, she will come to know a grandfather that built a haven for her. A sister with hands that pull beauty from thin air can draw a picture of a building but give you a world. A sister with stunning brown eyes. A brother that is so confident he's insecure, whose disdain wraps around the forest-eyed girl like a wave ready to drown her. But there will be two golden-haired angels who hang on to every heavy word, and suddenly the girl who's only known being little will be big. She will be the old, the one in charge, the one with confidence. And the little forest-eyed girl with hair darker than brown but lighter than black, with the two cherry earring resting in each ear, and a forever chill deep in her bones, will become the young woman with a bleeding heart and strong shoulders, broken feet and helping hands. She will become the little girl that's not so little, and maybe somehow she'll realize that she too can pull beauty from thin air. That house on the lake will grow older as she does, will be repainted, redecorated, reborn again and again, like the little girl, and so will the family. The sister will get married, and he too will be welcomed, will belong under a cherry tree in the orchard next to the house on the lake. Mothers and grandmothers and spouses will pass. The brother will fight his wave of disdain, praying he didn't drown the forest-eyed girl after all those years, but he needn't worry about her, for all he did was help her become not so little. You can't drown the girl with a bleeding heart stuck between two generations. Every beat of the body of the forest-eyed girl with a bleeding heart and strong shoulders, broken feet and helping hands, will thrum with the need for the house on the lake. Every breath of a little girl who's not so little, who can pull beauty from thin air and turn it into a story, will long for the clear, cold lake tucked into northern Montana. The home that was a home one week of every year will become the larger part of the little girl's being than anything else she encounters. The little girl with forced eyes and hair darker than brown but lighter than black, with a two cherry earring resting in each ear and a forever chill deep in her bones, who becomes the young woman with a bleeding heart and strong shoulders, broken feet and helping hands, who's not so little anymore, and can pull beauty from thin air and weave it into a story, will always be at home under the cherry tree in an orchard next to a house on a lake, 
tucked into northern Montana, smack dab in the center of North America, sitting somewhere between two oceans in the embrace of planet Earth. And it's uh, it's so beautiful, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, know, I, I haven't looked at it in a while either, one. but I have reread it over the years, and it was so um, <laughs> such a telling story. Um, and you know, also because I don't, I know you some, but I don't know you a lot or well. It it also connects me to you a little bit uh, more because it's your some inner thoughts, right? So. That's really been, that's a really nice yeah. way to write and, and let others experience your thoughts. So. Yeah, I think everything yeah. I write is very personal. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I think you, you get to know me a lot when you, when you yeah. read or hear the things that I'm, I've written. So I guess maybe I'll touch on the the parts of of the lake that are not so fun and easygoing whenever, you know, people that have been there your whole life pass away. Um, it can be really hard to, to walk the same path. I don't handle sadness very well. And for me, writing about it helps. So this is called On Recognizing Grief. Grief sits ugly and dark and deep on the faces of my family, like the way ink stains betray me after I've bled too much feeling onto paper. So do the lines of loss around my grandfather's mouth, the way my aunt says words but speaks sorrow. Grief expands, contaminating like a black stain my place of gentle laughter and happy waves. The house is the same. The cherry tree lined gravel road leading up to it has seen better days, but it still guides my feet in a steady path towards the house. The deck down the hill has gone to facelift, but the same boat still hides under the mint green awning. The Montana Lake water still stops my heart when I am submerged, and Wild Horse Island slumbers on in the distance. But it has changed, or maybe I have, probably both of us. The air is too heavy. Two less pairs of feet grace the gravel path, two less pairs of hands. In the kitchen, two less mouths to kiss my cheek, two less voices to hear raised up to speak, or in one case, raised over to command, two less bodies and a village of grief. I do not want this. I do not want this anywhere, but please God, not here. Yet still it sits and expands and contaminates. As the years go on, I think, uh, I've talked about it with my mom, and it helps that we, I feel like as a family, have found a way to, to celebrate the people that we've lost and still manage to keep the, the summers at the, at the lake happy, even though I think for, for everyone, the loss of, of family members and loved ones might be more, more glaring when we're, when we're there and and places that they should be and you know <laughs> ice cream that they should be making yeah, or yeah, absolutely. you know different things like that so yeah you know we have we haven't had a lot of babies in 
yeah at the lake house the past couple of years but but it's um kind of the the most recent one that we've had I remember sitting I think it was a summer or two after you know we had just lost a couple members of the family and I remember sitting there and he was just giggling and <laughs> laughing in the sandbox and I remember thinking that you know this is what it's all about you know, the way that life um, goes on the way that yeah he yeah he he doesn't know that this <laughs> this is all wrong right he doesn't know that that there's something missing here he doesn't really understand that you know people should be here that aren't and I think I think it there's something really nice about that and something really healing yeah. about that it was for me kind of seeing that the world goes on even when it feels like you're mm-hmm. you're missing something that should be there so I think the the lessons at the the lessons at the lake house the lessons at the cherry stand they're more than just how to sneak cans <laughs> of soda so that your mom doesn't see you when you're only allowed two cans you know per day but you know, if you hide one and then sneak it down to the lake and, you know, hide it in the rocks, then then she won't know because she doesn't come down to the lake or here's how you can guilt your cousins into letting you play a game, <laughs> even though you're kind of young <laughs> and, and they might not really want you to. So. That's great. As an adult now, what do you envision for the future? of the of the lake maybe you you know that nancy worries about what's going to happen next when your generation is responsible for the lake and of course it's you know it's a worry that that we we don't really have to think about because (laughs) it's a long ways off um but what would you what would you envision for yourself and for your your generation yeah, I think that's a hard, a hard question because, you know, I think of all my cousins and each of us bringing a plus one and then everyone having kids. And, and I don't think that really, that would be a lot of people on, on one <laughs> property. I'm thinking of the plumbing, <laughs> not being able to handle it. But I think at the same time, I think you can, you can hear how much the, the place means to me. And I think it, it's pretty much the same for for each of my cousins you know everyone that's been coming here for 20 30 years who who grew up you know having the the trip to flathead lake being the most consistent thing in their life so i think that we'd be hard pressed to find people that that love it as much as we do because i think it mm. in a lot of ways it raised a lot of us so i don't really know how how we'll handle it, how, what'll happen, who, you know, through the years will stop coming, who won't come in the summer, but will try to come in, you know, September or try to come in, in March or April. But I think it, it means so much to all of us that, you know, we'd find a way to make it feel as close to, to what we had growing up that we can 
It's, it's uh, sometimes what I ask people at the end of, of our interview is if they have one thing that they want to leave, one thought they want to leave. But I think you just, you just did it. If you, if you have something <laughs> else you want, an, a, a final thought, if you have a final thought and you'd like to express that, it's fine. But that was really, that was really telling what you said. Yeah, I think the the other thing for for me, we lived in a lot of different places. You know, I was born one place. We lived in Australia, Texas, South Carolina, but mm-hmm. I've never really felt like any of them were home to me. And I think that's because how do you top someplace like like Flathead? And so I think for me, it's home has become more of a, a mindset uh-huh. and less of a a place which has been really nice for me to to grow up with the ability to make myself at home no matter what because I know I can always think back to to the summers at the lake and I think those have when I've always felt the most like myself the happiest and I think that's really special to be able to have that sense of peace and to have grown up with that so I think all of us are really lucky to have Flathead and Granddad and each other in our lives. And I certainly know that, that that's, that's my favorite thing. And I'm very thankful for it. Great. Well, that's, thank you very much for sharing all of your relationships with the Cherry Orchard and, and the people there. I hope you enjoyed hearing Chloe's conversation with me as well as her poetry as much as I did. Come back to Cherry Orchard Conversations to hear more. And if you're a friend or a family member and would like to talk about your story, let me know. Thanks for listening.